Welcome to My Creative Corner 3, a podcast about my quilting journey and life in a northern town. Show notes can be found at mycreativecorner3.wordpress.com. Please leave a comment and we can continue the conversation online. My name is Vicki and I'll be your hostess. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today is a very special guest that I'm interviewing, Angela Walters, to help reflect some ideas on the machine quilting blog hop and also to talk all things free motion quilting. All right, I did fangirl a little bit here on this interview, so bear with me. But first, a little update. This is a banner month for me and my quilting. I have a quilt that's something I was part of a collaborative and there were five or six of us in my circle of friends quilting group and we did an experiment on collaboration it was a uh well let's see it was it really was an experiment this was the rules the leader of the group and her friend picked a bunch of fabrics they had a member of the group who was not in Michigan take the fabrics and make an inspiration block that would be part of the quilt. And then everyone drew numbers who were there on this one day. And in order, we could only use the fabrics that were chosen. And then we would add to this first block by either making a second block or a round robin style, whatever the person wanted to do. And then the person after that could take away without any hurt feelings. Okay, I had some of my stuff taken away and I was a little, well, didn't know what to think. However, it was for the good of the quilt. Um, it was without any qualms, but it had to be reused. It could be cut, it could be recycled into a new block. The only negative thing about this is that we only had one afternoon and the I went next to last. And so each person made more and more and as a collaborative, we laid it out and we had ideas. But the person after me had months to finish the quilt. I had, uh, it was the end of day, everybody was tired, wanted to go home. I had like 45 minutes in my improvisationally piece squares and stuff just didn't turn out very well. But it was recycled and used in the borders. And then I long armed the entire piece in a very uh, collage styled um, free motion quilting. Now in the free motion quilting if you go to the AQS Grand Rapids show um, you'll look um, you can see that there is a very um, influence of eastern culture in this quilt and I really tried to do male and female yin and yang. Oh my! landline so that's the whole thought of this quilt that is hanging in aqs grand rapids and i am so excited to go see it i'm not sure that i'm going to be able to catch up with anybody because i'm going on saturday i've taken a lot of time off of work this summer and i'm going to pick my mom up and we're going to go to the show if I happen to see you there, fantastic. Um, but I just think um, by the time I get there, I have two booths and vendors that I want to see. I need to buy a small long arm ruler. And of course, I have not ever bought cherry wood fabrics. And that was my big regret last year. It's a hand dyed fabric. And the Lion King display was at the show the last time I was there. And I know their new challenge is Van Gogh. And I'm hoping to be able to pick up those teals and blues of the, the Starry Starry Night was the theme. They may be sold out because I'm going the last day of the show, um, but I don't care. Whatever I can find, if, even if they're grab bags, um, I'm buying some for a friend who can't go. My mom and I are going to load up as much as we can on our within our budget. We promised each other we're staying within our budget. I'm not a big purchaser, impulse purchaser at these shows. So I have that on my schedule. And then on the 23rd, Moda Bake Shop is publishing a quilt that I made called Arrows. And it features a new line called Shibori 2. And I really enjoyed making this quilt. It started out from my um, daily prompt challenge on my Creative Corner 3 Facebook group. I did make an arrow block and then that translated into the quilt that I made. Plus it has bonus blocks. So you could actually come out with um, a 60 by 60 roughly 
might be 62 by 62 quilt with a mini quilt that maybe a child could use for a doll blanket or you could use it in some way to make a baby blanket or a twin lots of fun things so watch for moda bake shop on the 23rd um, i will put links to these things in my show notes and then um the next podcast i'll talk about what i saw at grand rapids and what i think the trends were this year and what i super liked and what things maybe i didn't understand because i'll be honest there is never a quilt out there that i don't like there are some that maybe i don't understand and there's a few that may be not my aesthetic, but that doesn't mean I don't like them. So that will be the next podcast. What I'm working on now is a quilt that I sent. Um, it was another challenge that my quilt group did, and we called it Chopsticks. It's an improvisationally pieced block where it's a gray background, and you cut it on a improvisationally pieced angle on this gray square. You insert a color. You cut it again on a perpendicular or you know the opposite direction of the first cut square it up and then you have an, an improvisationally pieced x block i shared this tutorial with holly ann of quilts for cure and currently she's doing a quilt along and the hope is in september that everyone who wants to participate will get the directions through a newsletter and then work on this quilt along with the hope that maybe at the end you would like to donate this quilt to um, one a hospital or a child or even getting in contact for quilts for cure i will also put that link on there and children who are really fighting childhood cancers need all of the hugs and love and support they can get. And maybe one physical way that we can help as quilters is to send them a quilt. So that's our goal. And we're working on that. And Holly Ann has a great idea. It's called the UFO Disposal System. And she's working on taking UFO tops, things that you just are you know you're not going to finish. You've had it languishing in your stack for a while. There's a way to donate that too. Um, yeah, I'm really involved with Quilts for Cure. And I have several hospitals in Michigan. She has several in Georgia. I've... Um, contacted several throughout the Midwest and the East, and I'm working on the West Coast, but we can certainly find places in people and children who could use a quilt because of childhood cancer affecting their loved one or the child. So those are two things. So my um, X block that I'm working on is a study in minimalism for me. If you know me, um, which you may not, this may be your first time listening, and I say welcome. I come from a traditional background of doing a lot of traditional piecing with lots of um, tiny pieces. I at one time wanted to do a Dear Jane, and I still might do it. I just may do it in a more modern setting, a contemporary setting, because that quilt still is very contemporary for as old as it is. But tiny pieces um, don't agree with me anymore. So in my prep for the thought of doing a Dear Jane, I paper pieced a Civil War diary quilt and one of those blocks had 100 tiny little pieces. I also did part of the farmer's wife and I quilted feathers. They're tiny. I love quilting, quilting, quilting stuff with tiny little designs. So I decided that I need to do something about all these tops languishing in my, <laughs> in my stack. And these are, some of these quilts are earmarked so I can't donate, but several are were made specifically to be donated for quilts for cure. And I decided I need to work on minimalism. I need to work on this quilt particularly is a minimalist quilt with several open spaces and the improv pieces. And I didn't want to over quilt it. I've really been thinking about how to do it. And based on um, some suggestions that Krista Watson had in the machine quilting blog hop that we did in the spring, she did entire quilts with improv wavy lines. And I wanted to make mine a little bit bigger spacing and keep it minimalist. Now what I might do is a one row, leave a larger gap between the wavy lines and fill it in with paisleys or pebbles or some geometric shape. I haven't decided, I haven't got to that spot yet because usually in minimalism, there's a lot of um, 
negative space, and then there is the one thing that is a pop, either color or quilting, and that's what my plan is. The pops of colors are the solid and solid reading um, chopsticks or X's, and then I have a few cotton and steel with glittery gold in them, and then I thought I would do one line of dense quilting in a sea of improvisationally quilted wavy lines. So I've been working on that. I'll have to say that I like to give a shout out to two young pattern writers. I've done testing for Crochet by Renee. She has come up with a new hat or beanie pattern uh, if you do crochet. She is doing a series of hats and other accessories in her Etsy shop based on the Great Lakes. Love, love Michigan artists. And this young girl has a fantastic aesthetic. Her patterns are easy to do. I have um, medium crochet skills and I can do it. You can too. So check it out. Her patterns are a bargain price. You're not going to believe she wants uh, two for six dollars on her Etsy shop for these hat patterns. They're fantastic. And another um, test that I'm doing is a softy for um, my friend Katrina. And I will put her link in the blog hop no in the blog post for show notes now Katrina is a miniature maker she made uh, when I first met her teeny tiny little wool felted animals that were about the size of your thumb and this pattern is a probably a 12 inch long maybe 18 inches soft toy or softy that is a dragon now her dragon has a zipper mouth and it makes him look fierce and um I had trouble with the zipper I bought so I did skip that part of the pattern but I have the dragon all made her pattern is detailed it's very good if you are not into doing a lot of garment sewing and knowing terms um, she will be fi finalizing her pattern soon and I will put a link to her Etsy shop so I love to give a shout out to two young ladies who have been working very hard they both are in their 20s and um, it's great to see that art, creativity, the fiber arts are alive and well in the young generation because I am now in the old generation and um, believe me, their designs are phenomenal. So check them out. So I've been working on those and the other thing is on my needles, I decided to cast on my knitting needles um, some fidget type pieces that I can pick up and put down. Now I did one big long rectangular piece that is going to be made into a, a pillow or I'm thinking maybe a project bag with some cool buttons. The next one though that that's finished and I'm well the knitting part I just haven't quite decided how to finish it but the next one is I found a fabulous podcast if you're into knitting called Inside Number 23 and she is hosting a year-long Harry Potter knit along on her Ravelry group. It's really pretty open-ended. You do whatever you want. If you finish in a month you can enter a contest you win prizes you can see everybody's harry potter stuff i mean i'm a huge fangirl and you know what this month has turned into i'm working on magical things and i need that you know what we're not going to get into anything serious here but you know what we all need a little magic in our lives don't we and harry potter and dragons and fantasy and fun minimalism is all things i needed to work on so maybe um some part of the universe is trying to tell me something but i found a fabulous knit in the round harry potter scarf it's on um the leaky cauldron has a big section and this particular scarf is so simple all you got to do is knit 30 in the round of whatever house you want then you knit four rows of the contrasting color and you do a little four row of your main house color four rows of your contrast then you go back again to the 30. the beauty of this is as you carry your yarns it's all inside the tube you block it flat with the rings um you know if your colors never quite line up those can be hid on your side and then the bottom is crocheted together and french put on it it's it's magic it's as magical as the gryffindor house that i'm doing the scarf in those colors so 
thanks a lot for um, encouraging me, uh, Miss Lavalley of Inside 23, because I haven't been knitting as much. And sometimes I just need something that's very, very relaxing in the evening. That's even less brain powered than Zentangle or less powered than hand stitching. Now, when it gets cold, I'll probably be doing a lot of binding and um, but until then, these are great little projects. Pick up, put down. And I hit the gold mine for the Harry Potter cranberry red, that um, Gryffindor red. I had a gold in my stash from a local quilt shop's um, Yarn of the Month Club. And my local Meyer, which is a grocery store slash superstore, has yarn and Burnett yarn. And I like Burnett. It was on sale for 70 cents for a big one pound skein. They were clearancing out the colors. I was only going to buy two and then my husband goes for 70 cents buy everything <laughs> they have. So I bought four. That's all that was on the rack. And um, I don't mind using acrylic yarns for scarves and apparel because you can wash them and quite honestly wool I itch and I'm not really um, allergic to it but it, it makes me break out and my skin turns red easy. So I like um, acrylic and bamboo and blends. Um, I love wool. I love working with it, but I can't have it as the main um, yarn in a something I'm going to wear. So the yellow I think is wool, but it won't bother as much because it's just the accents and in very small parts. I did um, look through my yarn stash and I have a lot. So I'll be doing a lot of fidgets and pick up and put down projects, things to watch TV by, things to watch football by. And Highland Games are wearing down, but I'm still taking my yarn project with me because I can pick it up and put it down. Speaking of Highland Games, we only have a few more left and there are two more in September, one in no, two more in August, one in September, one in October. It has been a blur this summer because we, I think, traveled to 10. My husband took second place in his age group last weekend. I'm very excited. And if you want to see um, sights and sounds of these events, I put little videos up on my YouTube channel and you can see it's really a track and field event. There's nine events in most games, a minimum of five, and they're heavy implements that are being thrown and tossed and everyone's wearing kilts and there's usually bagpipe music in the background and there's dance and competitions that some some are just music celebrations in the background too so highland games i love going i love sports and it's always exciting to go I almost took a hammer though. And I'm going to warn you, if you go to a Highland game, if you go to a sporting event where heavy things are being thrown, do not turn your back on the competition. I wasn't um, having my back turned, but I was talking with someone I hadn't seen in a long time. And I was right in what they call the kill zone. And there was a bad release of a hammer that was being thrown. Let's just say these people throw the hammer between 80 and 110 feet. So there was no light touch to this. The only thing that saved my life is that there was a wire cage, you know, like a fence around the hammer and it clipped the top and it sailed over my head and landed about six feet behind me. However, there've been many close calls because people go and think that, that this is just a dog and pony show and it's all fake or whatever. No, this is very real and cabers or the tall tree things fall. They hit athletes, weights are dropped and unfortunately, if you're in a crowd and you're close, you need to pay attention. No different than a football game. If you're on the sideline and you're not paying attention, you can get tackled and hurt. So um, just a public service announcement. Yes, I'm looking forward to football season. I'm gearing up my fantasy football team. I'm getting ready for the old uh, fantasy. I love doing that. So Overall, that's been my life. And um, I want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast and looking forward to listening to Angela. But please um, sign up for my newsletter. I can be found on YouTube for um, video and vlogging, um, some other little shorts that I've done and tutorials. On um, Instagram, I have the My Creative Corner 3 Facebook group, as well as um, my own quilting page. But the big thing is um, check out Quilts for Cure. You can get involved. Um, would you please consider subscribing to this channel? Would you leave a um, review for 
um, iTunes so that people can find the show. And if you do those things, it helps me along and reaching out and and having other people join our conversation and being creative and sharing ideas. So thanks everybody for listening and let's listen to Angela. Okay, welcome to the podcast. Today we have Angela Walters, who is a author, free motion quilter, long arm quilter, educator, and all around nice person. Welcome to the podcast, Angela. Thank you. Thank you. I get tired just hearing all those <laughs> I know the list could go on and on I thought we'll keep it we'll keep it to to the point but I I wanted to have you on the show because um a few weeks ago we wrapped up um, me and three of my friends the free motion uh quilting blog hop which was based on your book um the ultimate guide to machine quilting that you co-authored with Krista Watson and I'll have to say I took 10 weeks and I did every stitch that you had in each chapter and really kind of broke it down and and studied it and I'll have to say I learned more in those 10 weeks than I have probably in the last five years of my long arm quilting career um why do you think that taking the time like that might be so helpful I mean I know what from my perspective but as educators expect you know um, perspective taking that time what what do you think might have been some of the reasons why I learned so much because I didn't think I was going to learn anything I'll be honest honestly I think it comes down to consistency the more consistent you can practice the better you'll get at it I mean if you think about something that you do randomly, um, you know, at, at spread out times, it's hard to recall what it is you even learned. And so I don't think it's necessarily the fact that you spent so much time on it. I think it's the fact that you did it consistently throughout that. And if you look at the, the regular quilter, you know, who's piecing their quilt tops, it's months in between quilting stints, right? And so then it kind of takes a second to get that warmed up. Well, no wonder it gets frustrating, right? Because you haven't done it for six months. You have this beautiful quilt top that you're afraid you're going to ruin with the quilting. And so it can be a little overwhelming. So when I teach classes, I'm always telling my students, you know, if you can spend five minutes a day Mm -hmm. or 20 minutes a week, whatever you can do consistently will help get that practice going. Now, once you learn it, it's, it's like riding a bike. You know, you don't have to practice as much um, per se. But I think the fact that you were doing it consistently, and I think overall the attitude has to do with it too. I mean, I, I imagine um, that you were like, you know what, I'm going to do all these 10 weeks. I'm going to try to learn as much as I can. It's very easy for people to get hard on themselves when they're doing it. And I don't know why that is with free motion quilting. Um, I don't have people come into my quilt shop and think, oh, I just can't match colors. I'm not even going to try. No, I mean, they they do. I think there's just something that's intimidating about machine quilting um, to most people. And so if they could just get over that intimidation with a good attitude and just practice consistently, they can't help but be successful with it. No, I agree. And I think, you know, one of the things was I had, I was the only person long arming at the time in this group of four of us, but it was this big excitement. We were supporting each other. Not everyone was at the same level. Some people were just starting out. And it reminded me of when I first started a diet or exercise program. And you had all your friends there and you had the camaraderie and the the cheerleading for each other. And I really do think that was a lot of it was the excitement. But I I think it also reminded me of when I was a kid, when I was taking um, violin lessons. I, I was a slow learner. It took me a year to get to where I could play an eight note scale. And most people aren't that slow at it, but it was the consistency of daily practice and I I translated that to this it was daily practicing some basic things and then just how you see it get better and better and better every week that went by and um, I really really learned a lot of new things once I cracked the book open I'll have to say the first um, quote was all those straight lines and I was like oh no no, 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 not straight lines. <laughs> no, please don't start there. <laughs> but it forced me to use my ruler. I've never used a ruler before. Um, do you have any um, tips for long armors who are just starting out with the ruler? I know I didn't, when I bought my ruler, I didn't listen or read about purchasing one. So I bought absolutely the wrong type of thing. So I thought maybe you could give someone some ideas of what to look for. Sure. Well, it feels uncomfortable at first because it's like a, if you can remember holding a pencil for the first time, it's a tool, but it feels unnatural when you're quilting, especially if you're nervous about quilting anyway, because you want to have your hands on both handles, right? And right. You're squeezing it and, and, you know, trying to remember to breathe is all, you know, is, is about the main idea. Um, usually with rulers, I tell people to start with one. 
because mm-hmm. some people love them. Some people are like, eh, I don't like them. It's just a tool. That's all it is. It's like a, an iron or a sewing machine. So usually what I say is start with a good straight edge ruler and just play around with it. Now what happens is people that are long arming, they have to hold the ruler with one hand and then guide the machine with the other. Well, they tend to think if they push harder on the ruler, if they hold tighter, that it will be better. And when in fact, counterintuitively, the opposite is true. You want to have a nice firm grip, but you don't want to push down on that ruler. And I think when newer quilters are nervous, they're really pushing down and you want to have a nice firm grip, but a a light hold on it so that it can move around, um, that you can move the machine. Because if you have that ruler base underneath, you're pushing down on that ruler, it's going to impede the movement. Then once you feel comfortable with it, you've quilted some straight lines, you think, you know what, I, I think this is something I like, then you can expand into that whole plethora of different long arm rulers that are out. Um, another tip that I would give is don't think of it as a uh, crutch, mm-hmm. right? So when I started out, I got a little curve to do continuous curve, which is just a line that curves from point to point on a corner, like or a corner to corner on a block. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have to get this ruler to do this curve line. Well, I did, but then I got to where I could do it without it. And so then I never used it. So it's not something that you have to rely on. It might just be the tool to get you to where you need to go without it. Yeah, I found that I needed the ruler for the vertical lines because in long arm you can use a channel lock for, you know, in the ditch, you know, left to right quilting. And my machine is specifically left to right. I cannot turn around and go right to left again. But uh, I bought a ruler that was way too long. I think it's like 18 or 20 inches. And I'm realizing with my shorter throat space that I I'm going to buy one this week at a show that's probably more like 12 or maybe even smaller if they have one. And I, I did. I had a death grip on that. <laughs> I was pushing hard. And I, I realized, hey, you know, there's a little bit less less tension on here and it won't make the quilt warp either because I'm pushing down so hard on, on the table. So we we had good time with that. I, you know, one of the lessons that I did take away from, from this book, and I know from all of the other books that you, you wrote, is talking about what do you do on a quilt? And, you know, going from different shapes you know, where that, and I think that's what helped me too, is you broke things down into shapes in this book. But going like, you know, hey, this is a border, here's a fill. And, you know, even in this book, I really like the, do you remember the triangle ones where you really are doing those curves from, you know, dot to dot or boomerang type things, straight lines, you know, dot to dot. That really was, was helpful. As you've been doing this for a long time, have you expanded on any more of those ideas of dot-to-dot types of things or block-to-block kinds of things? Anything you'd like to share in that? Definitely. Well, that's probably the number one question I've asked. You know, mm-hmm. how do you pick designs for a quilt? What do I quilt on this quilt? Where do I go to get started? And ultimately, the more you do it, the easier it is to pick out designs because you learn what you like, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, the best analogy that I give is when somebody comes into my quilt shop, and they're a new quilter, they'll look at a quilt on the wall and they'll say, I don't like those colors, so I don't like that quilt. Like that's the the correlation in their mind. But an experienced quilter who has played around with colors and different fabrics and made a lot of quilts and learned what they like and what they don't like, they can look at that quilt and say, I don't like those colors. I can imagine it in, you know, grays or monochromatic. You know, they, they can imagine it because they've done it. And so the fact that I quilt for customers and I quilt day in and day out for the last 15 years, means I know a lot of what I do and don't like. And so every time I quilt something, I learn something. And sometimes learning what not to do Mm -hmm. is just important as learning what to do. And so usually I'll say, instead of waiting for that one perfect answer, just pick a design and go, right? If you don't like it, switch it on the next block. Um, If you get done with the quilt and you're like, ugh, I don't, I should have done something different. Well, you still have a finished quilt. This is a good thing, right? It's a win-win proposition. Um, Now the whole idea of using reference points on the block or dot to dot, that's been a really fun technique um, that I really started formulating been about four or five years, but the idea of getting a lot of quilting done, but using the reference points on the quilt to create these intricate looking things is amazingly easy and it looks a lot harder than it is. So um, I'm actually putting together a new dot to dot class for Craftsy, which will be out soon. So I'm excited Mm -hmm. for that because the idea is that concept is so limitless. You can do so much with it. And of course, I'm always playing and trying to find out new and different things to take with those straight or curved lines. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. That's been my own personal challenge to see how many different ways I can do that on the quilts that I'm working on. No, I love that because I was afraid to use it at first because I was afraid I was going to get lost in a block. And then I realized a simple thing like, 
oh, put a dot there. How simple, you know, don't just do it in your brain. And I found a couple different pens and chalk that seems to be very helpful or even just a little graphite pencil on, on some things. But it really, really does help. And and using some of the ideas of what may be already in the fabric, you know, that was another great tip I learned in, in this book. But yeah, I you know, a lot of times when people drop quilts off, um, they get kind of scared because they go, well, do you know what you're going to do on this? And I'll be like, mm, no, I got to think about it for a while. And then they, they, so once they get to know me, I'm sure your customers do this too. They'll go, well, just do whatever you want to do. And I'd like it in this color thread with maybe a few of these shapes in it. And that kind of helps because I think where we do, we do as long armors is we compare ourselves to a computer if we are a free motion quilter. Yeah. And I, I have to be pretty specific, you know, telling people that I cannot reproduce something that a computer does, but I can yeah. reproduce my style. And maybe that's where some of that perfectionistic tendencies come from, especially if you're doing other people's quilts. Truly. It's definitely a little stressful. stressful. Yeah. Do you still get nervous when you get a quilt? I uh, do. Yeah. So the thing is, if I'm always like, okay, what's the worst case scenario and how will I fix it? And that kind of, in most worst case scenarios, I'm like, I can just remake this quilt. Right. If it all goes to pot, I've never had to, but if it did, if something traumatic happened, I could remake it. Well, what happens is when I get the quilts that I can't remake. You know, when Tula brings me, when Tula Pink brings me like a English paper piece thing that took her six years to make <laughs> right. we, the worst case scenario is i shut up shop right and i'm out of business <laughs> which is kidding but no. um yeah definitely i still get nervous but i think the thing is i've done it enough that i know that um you can take it out quilting can always come out and just because you don't think it looks right or you don't like the way it looks doesn't mean that somebody else won't and that was something i learned pretty early on especially even working with tulip pink um i would say i don't know i, I think i should have done something different here she's like i that's my favorite thing about the quilt so it's subjective right um it is stressful when somebody brings you a quilt and says do whatever you want so the number one question i ask in that situation is what kind of quilting do you not like right because that's when they say like oh i don't like feathers and i'm thinking that that's pretty much an important thing to know you should lead with that next time right right yeah, and I'm I'm decided that I've got enough people that I should keep like a index card system or you know a, a electronic file of this person in 19 you know 85 didn't like you know feathers but you know or they they really hate straight line quilting or whatever we usually have those discussions but um, yeah it's it's pretty important to know and once in a while. I think I've only had one quilt where the customer actually brought it back and said, you know, there's something about this that I'm not happy about. And I thought it was the same thing. It was one of those where everything that could possibly have gone wrong with the quilt did. The border, the border didn't lay flat no matter what I did. I took it apart. I did all kinds of things. And bless her heart. I mean, she's in her 90s. She was a sweet soul. And she goes... You know, really, the only problem is this is I want more on it. And I went, yes, I can do that. I just reloaded it and added added more. And, and she brought me 10 more quilts after that. But I like your the thought that you can always remake the quilt. And quilting can come out. I've just never had a total and complete disaster. Now, my friend, she gave me a challenge this week. And I don't know, do you ever get these kind of challenges? She brought me a quilt completely upcycled from corduroy clothes and it was heavy but I mm -hmm. did it and it only had one little spot where it because it corduroy stretchy not yeah. quite as bad as minky but it, it's there and and I kept it big and, and it worked so any big challenges that you've had when someone drops off and you're like wow this one's different I'm gonna do it though <laughs> yeah yeah anymore not so much um yeah. since I've cut back on quilting so I just keep you know the customers that I really like but in sure. the beginning I've worked on a lot of special quilts and when I and it's a story that I tell in my trunk show but when I got my long arm my husband's grandpa taught me how to piece and taught me how to hand quilt and he basically made my husband buy me a long arm so he had an eye condition where he never saw an ugly quilt top right and so he would buy every piece of fabric that was sewn together and so by the time I got my long arm he had had a stack of like 30 special quilts I mean these were hand pieced double knit grandmother flower garden and so those are the quilts that I learned on wow. and I learned a lot and so after that after working through all those very um, interesting quilts, mm -hmm. anything that I got from regular quilters was a breeze. So right. I, I started out with the hard stuff and then <laughs> can breeze on into the cotton. Yeah, so double knit. That's a tough one. <laughs> Oh, very tough. Well, I have to say that I did learn a lot. Um, one of my favorite um, things that I learned throughout several of the books that you've written is, you know, just being able to take a shape and take it up, you know, to scale or down to scale on, on um, 
particular quilt and the teardrops shapes and and all the paisleys with uh pebbling and i know you and i have had a chance to talk about my my problems with pebbling sometimes uh but i did take your advice about you know going much slower and finding a rhythm and um but i thought maybe pebbling is another thing you know we get asked to do a lot because it's pretty cool um so pebbling for you uh, i've i've tried taking my machine off stitch regulating and I've left it on and I, I decided that for me I've done it on most of the time but what are a couple of ideas for for beginners on pebbling because it's such a hot hot stitch right now I would say that the secret to any great quilting is to use the matching thread color I mean that covers a multitude of sins mm -hmm. and I think if you can remember that as humans we can only focus on a spot about the size of a pencil point I mean if you think about it when we read we have to move our eyes so everything that our eyes are seeing our brain is kind of making up so unless somebody is looking right at that mistake they're not going to see it and so I think the biggest thing you can do is use a matching thread color and then for please do not point out any mistakes to people I mean don't I mean they, they say it looks great say thanks Thank I mean you. that's the main thing um but I would say with pebbling it just comes with practice getting that consistent movement down and so if you if you were to look close at my samples and even in my books you can look at the pictures you're gonna see it's not perfect but it doesn't have to be it doesn't right. have to be perfect and so I'm trying to get it close and I'm just moving on so if I had to give a practical machine quilting tip, I would say try to get that momentum down, that nice smooth movement. And that speed is different for everybody, unfortunately, mm -hmm. right? Wouldn't it be nice if there was a set answer I could just give you? Oh, I know. Like, you set your machine on this and do this. But no, I found that to be true. And it's all different on each quilt, too, depending on the batting and the, the thread and that kind of stuff. And um, But yeah, I'm finding with the pebbling is that, that the more I do it, and, and I have good days and bad days. I mean, that's just how it is. Yeah, um, I mean, if you watch baseball, I mean, pitchers have good days and bad days, and they make millions of dollars. Exactly. So, I'm better than 30% of the time. I figure I'm doing pretty good. Absolutely. Now, um, I know that you like to do a lot of feather shapes. Do you have a specific style of feather that you like to do a lot? I know I like to do ones with spines in it first, because I haven't graduated to doing the whole uh, spineless feathers yet, but... What do you like to do? I, I love a great um, basic custom feather. I mean, that's my personal preference. You know, we all have different opinions. Mm -hmm. There are so many cool, like, um, ornate feathers and really, you know, frilly things. That's just really not my style. I like it simple and basic. In fact, the most um, complex I get is really with a lot of echoing. I'm not adding different shapes or combining. And, and there's some really great feathers out there. But for me, I don't like it so fussy. I want to do something nice and, and classic, but in a different layout or in a slightly different way. So mm -hmm. that's that's kind of where I fall on that spectrum, but it, what's fun about quilting is it's like if I were to ask you, what kind of fab, what colors should I use for this quilt? You would say, well, what kind of colors do you like? What kind of pattern mm -hmm. are you making? It's so specific to each person, and that's what's great about quilting. You can do whatever you like, and as long as you like it, it's going to look good. They do. I love I love how you do the corners and the triangles with the, the feathers, and I'm, I'm working on those, and um, I, I like all kinds. I have to say, you know, there isn't, I haven't met a quilt that doesn't appeal to me. I just love working on them. They're so yeah. much fun. So you've been very busy. You've been teaching this summer. I know you've been traveling and writing a book. You got the craftsy class. So it looks like in September we talked that you have a new book coming out called Free Motion Meandering. And this is a beginner quilting book. Is that right? It is. I'm so fortunate to get to travel and teach. And so about once a month, I'm on the road um, going to guilds. And, and truthfully, the most of the people that I teach are not long armors. They are people that are at guilds that have their sewing machine and want to learn how to quilt. Mm -hmm. And after doing that for years and years, I feel like I've found that I know what people, the questions people ask. And I know what shapes are easier for most quilters. Um, I can walk into a group and know like, okay, most of you will have success with this basic shape. And some of you will like this, but this is why it's harder. And so I'm taking all that knowledge, all that that information and feedback I've gotten from teaching, whether it's that aha moment as something clicks or the same question I get asked, and I put it in this book. And this book, I feel like, is kind of, um, even though it's a beginner book, it's kind of like my, my, my um, main point it's, it's the best of me condensed in a book. And so I, I wrote it as though I were sitting next to you talking. It, oh, it's I like, like hey, so we're going to do this. It's going to be fine. Just breathe. But what I think is fun about it is we start with a basic shape and we build off of it and we build off of it. I'll focus on meanders because I think if, if, if it's kind of like if I can get a quilter to start and learn and, and figure out a few meanders, they'll be encouraged and they'll want to learn the harder designs. Mm -hmm. 
Right. I don't want to start off with the harder stuff. I want to start with the very basic. And so there's like frequently asked questions in there. You know, it's like, okay, this is a question I've been asked a lot. Chances are you're thinking it. So I, I think it's a really good resource. It's not a huge book. It's something that makes quilting look manageable. It doesn't make it look scary, but hopefully I put all that information I've got from teaching and I, I hope that it's going to land in somebody's lap and they're going to be like, okay, you know what? I can do it. It's going to be fine. Oh, I think that there'll probably be a lot of light bulbs going on when people, <laughs> those light bulb moments. No, I think that's where, um, I think that's the encouraging thing where I started too. I think meandering and, and learning to how to troubleshoot filling spaces and, and I'll have to applaud you because I know on the Midnight Quilting Show on YouTube, you do domestic machine quilting and um I can't do that. You know, part of mine is, you know, physical. I, I physically can't push that much fabric under a machine. And I'm just like, you just are amazing how you can translate all of that and then sit on the domestic machine and do it. So, you know But you know how I had to do that? I went from hand quilting to long arming. So mm -hmm. quilting on a sewing machine is like my second language. Yes. When I started teaching classes on craftsy, I thought, okay, I've got to figure this out. If I'm teaching people, I've got to know how to do this. And I, I told myself I'm going to spend 15 minutes every day at the end of my work day after I've quilted on my long arm and I'm going to sit and work on it. And it was that consistent practice. Um, and so now I can kind of switch back and forth. Now, long arming will always be my first language because that's what I learned first. But I'm getting really fluent in the sewing machine quilting. So that's good, too. That's excellent. Excellent. So when uh, in this book, um, what kind of a setup do you for meandering do you recommend for most people so that they can prepare for that when they're ready to start? Should they have a walking foot or a free motion quilting foot it's for their machine? Free motion. It's yep. all free motion. And I think that walking foot quilting has added so much to it. And I love that, you know, people like Jackie Gearing are, are bringing that to the forefront, but I'm staying true to what I love and that's the free motion quilting. And so I think that's where my niche is and that's where I can really add. And the book, I, I just want it, I want it to be able where anybody could get this book and say, okay, I can start. I just need a sewing machine and a free motion quilting foot. And right. in it, I go over things that might make it more helpful. But ultimately I say, here's the thing. You, everybody always thinks that they have a better tool. They'll mm -hmm. be better at what they're doing. But most people don't even use the tools that they have to their capability. Right. So they don't need a whole big setup. You don't need a whole big machine. It's like, okay, let's get a sandwich together. Let's start moving around. Let's get going. Because um, I find that in my classes, small wins are huge. So when I teach a class, I don't spend a lot of time talking about it. We get right to the quilting. Mm -hmm. And then throughout the day, I sprinkle in, you know, the tips and stuff because people are so nervous about it. If I could get them quilting right off the beginning, they'll either realize it's not that hard or they'll be like, okay, now I need to pay attention <laughs> and learn the stuff. So it, it really is. I, I hope it goes over as well as I want it to because I really feel like I poured a lot of myself into that book. So basically, um, the free motion foot I have for my machine is a, looks like a circle or a three-quarter circle. And your machine, do you recommend dropping the feed dogs if that's part of your machine setup? Perfect. Yeah. No, I agree with you because I, you know, that's when I learned how to quilt, you know, like just piecing. You know, I avoided half square triangles for probably a decade because I couldn't do them. And then, you know, how it's just, it was one day watching a video and the light bulb came on. I'm like, well, I can do this. It, it, there's no magical secret here. It's just a consistent way of doing it. And it turned out. So, no, and I, and I think that those little sandwiches, that's where we learn so much. Definitely, definitely. And so it, it, you don't need a big setup. You don't need all the tools. Now, are those great? Definitely. But if, if somebody came up to you and said, I want to become a quilter, you wouldn't say, okay, well, if you want to sew, you have to go buy the, the big brand name handy quilter sewing machine and you need to have your stash built up. No, you're going to hand right. them some fabric and be like, get sewing, right? Because you want to get them. Come on over. Yeah. <laughs> no, and that's exactly it. And, then, and I think um, when I think about that now, uh, even going back to my music lesson scenario, um, I didn't go buy a professional quality violin to start taking lessons. I got my great grandma's violin out of the attic, had it tuned up, and that's what I played on for a long time. Before, and it was a student student level violin, and it. But I learned so much. And I same with um, sewing. I started hand sewing and hand quilting too, and it's it helps to understand the construction of quilts. So basic things I think are essential to learn. Now, people, I think part of why so many people visit long armors is that there's a, a fear factor involved. You know, that tension that you you have in every class. You know, when you first start, you can cut it in the air. Everyone's 
so nervous. So I think um, you're a very, very um, relaxed person. And I, and I think as soon as you can dissipate that tension, everybody, everyone can take a deep breath and then they start listening. So um, yeah, yeah yes, it's so hard. Exactly. How many people are in a lot of the classes that you teach when you're in person? Um, I'm, I'm really fortunate that most of my classes sell out and it's, it's kept to about 20 to 25 students. So when I travel to a guild, usually I'll do two or three classes. I try not to be gone too long. Um, a week is absolutely the longest I like to be gone. So usually three or four days. And so about 20 or 25 people will spend about six hours for a full day class. And honestly, I spend most of my time telling them you're doing a great job. You know, what are you upset about? This is fantastic. Um, or giving practical tips, you know, try going faster, try breathing. That breathing. It's a big thing. There is some so, truth to that, though. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but I find that everybody is so nervous and so scared, and I have people always that are like, I, I, I don't, I didn't, you know, that you could tell like they signed up and then they got cold feet, but they still showed up and they're scared. And I'm like, here's the deal. We're just having fun. This yep. is going to be a good time. But, and then sprinkling those in. But yeah, you, you're right. You can, can tell the tension. You have the people that are, you know, coming in that have done it before and are wanting to hang out, but you have people that come in that look like they're very scared. <laughs> scared. <laughs> yeah. I had to say the white, white knuckling on the fabric in their neck and my neck, cause I can feel it when I'm in a class where I'm nervous. So those are good things breathing relax let's laugh and i'm really looking forward to your machine quilting book on free motion meandering i i just love meanders they're my they're some of my first loves i love all over edge to edge just for texture and learning how to do some of the other things are kind of where i'm living so this next year do you have any other big projects on your horizon that you can share about or we just kind of every year i think there's no way i can get busier than i was last year but then I do. Yes, right? every uh, year. <laughs> Midnight Quilt Show has been amazing. So the, the response to that has been a lot of fun. Letting my personality come through that, you know, that people that would take a class from me would get. But, you know, that's about 75 people a month that I can touch in a personal class, whereas online. And so working with Crafty has been great. That takes up so much time, though. I mean, I'm filming about four times a year. We do about 10 episodes at a date, you know, at a filming session. So mm-hmm. it, it's a lot of work, but I've really, truly enjoyed um, getting to do that. So that's going to continue on next year, oh, hopefully, the word. Um, and then the quilt shop has been doing great. So I opened a shop in Liberty, Missouri, which is just right outside my hometown, 10 minutes away. And I love it. I, I never thought I would like retail, but I do love it. And we're only 45 minutes from Missouri Star. Mm-hmm. So Jenny Doan. So that really helps business wise. So I think just focusing on the Midnight Quilt Show and my quilt shop will be the main focus. I still plan on doing books and stuff. Um, I've got a new book coming out with a local author, Jennifer Dick. I don't know if you know who she is, but we're doing a nine patch Revolution nine patch book. So that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of expanding a little bit more into um, business focused things Mm -hmm. is my main goal over the next year is to do more mentoring. I know we've talked business stuff a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I really want to encourage the, you know, the the person at home that wants to turn this hobby into a business, whether it's machine quilting or quilting for commission, whatever that is. And so that's pretty much the main goal of the next year. We'll see things could change as, as different opportunities come up, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just so thrilled that I'm so blessed to get to do what I do for a living. It's, it's amazing for sure. It definitely is. And we appreciate all of the sharing that you do and the Midnight Quilt Show. I have to say, I look forward to it. Every time I get a YouTube notification, I'm like, it's the right day. You know, it's, it's just awesome. Uh, it's awesome. And it's really me. I mean, that is 100% me. And it's not even really scripted. I mean, I have the step outs kind of thing, but that's mm-hmm. the stuff that comes out of my mouth. Sometimes I'm thinking, what am I saying? Oh, really? You don't have a writer? <laughs> no. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> the whole thing's ad-libbed. Like- <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's pretty fun. I mean, that is 100% me. And it to get to um, cut up and, and have fun, and uh-huh. you can tell I'm my own element right there, that's been really, really fun. And so as long as people are watching it, um, you know, Craftsy will continue producing it. So I, I hope that keeps going. Oh, I hope it does, too, because I find it to be... Um, you show some great quilts, and you have some that are a little more challenging, but the... The being able to laugh and go, oh boy, 5,000 more of these <laughs> seems, you know, because it's everything that we all think, you know, as we get going, oh, I got one half square triangle done, 495 to go, you know, yeah. <laughs> those kinds of things. Or who hasn't laid it out and then realized it's wrong, right? Oh. Like, I, I do that all the time and we just leave it in. 
I'm, I'm like, I did it again. Like, oh my gosh, you know? And, but the thing is, that's what happens. And, and I don't cut any of that out because I want, I want that realness to be there because that's what quilting is, right? Absolutely. Staying up late and then realizing that you spent the last hour sewing these blocks wrong. wrong. And you're like, well, forget it. They're staying that way. <laughs> I am not ripping it out. <laughs> How many quilts have you done? I know I've done this. The whole thing is finished. And I realize I reversed one block, you know, and you're like, well, that's my modern focus for today. <laughs> Yeah. I, or I've taken quilts off the quilting machine and realized I've left whole blocks unquilted. Yes. It, I'm like, I've been doing this professionally for over 10 years. Do you think I'd have my act together? But I don't. No, I've done that too. Sometimes if they're mine, I leave them. You know, obviously oh. if they're somebody else's, I'll reload them and do them again. Yeah. But oh. yeah, or, or I'll get halfway through a quilt and go, you know, that color probably, I probably should have went with a different color, but then I'm going to leave it. But then, you yeah. know, what happens by the end, it grows on me. And I'm like, you know what? That was a great mistake that turned yeah. into a, a design element. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just own it at that point. Just Absolutely. Own it. Like, I love, and you give it a, you give it artistic temp, uh, reason, like the juxtaposition of the color. And then people will believe that you did it on purpose. It's great. It was, a, it was planned all along, you know. Yeah, yeah. I kind of go with the uh, Bob Ross's uh, happy... Yeah, there are no accidents. They're just happy moments, you know. <laughs> yes, unintentional customizations. Yo, oh, I like that. You're you're good. <laughs> oh, oh, I can justify anything. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, well, Angela, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and I'm looking forward to your book in the fall, and obviously for all of the businesses that you have your your hand in a lot of things that are business related. So quilting is my therapy is the name of your website. Yep. And yep. you're found I know you have an Instagram account and yep. where else can we uh, find Angela you? FMQ is my Instagram handle free motion quilter. And so if you search that on anything else, uh, Facebook, Angela FMQ, it's under machine quilting by Angela, but if you do Angela FMQ it'll bring it'll it up. Bring up. Um, and so yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. But if you go to my website, that's where I have the tutorials, uh, midnight quilt show links. Everything I do on my website is meant from an encouraging standpoint. I, I think the best teacher doesn't stand up and tell you how great they are. They tell you how great you can be. And so everything on my website is written from that that um, that perspective. But I do have to tell you thank you for doing the blog hop. And it's been so gratifying and encouraging to me to see people not only using the book, but having success and getting to watch you grow. I mean, it, it's been so fun to see the pictures come through. And that's, you know, even though you have authors and all these other people, we like to be encouraged as well. And so thank you for encouraging me in that way. That was a lot of fun and I really did. I learned more in those 10 weeks than I have in years and years of taking um, time. You know, I've never, I've never taken a class, I'll be honest, because of my rural location and, and we learned together, you know, quite a bit. It was, it was a lot of fun. So, awesome. well, thank you for coming on the show and we look forward to seeing all of your endeavors in the next year. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, so, yay. Well, I think...